0: Welcome to another podcast from the Royal College of Psychiatrists. My name is Raj Persaud and I'm a consultant psychiatrist based at the Bethlehem Royal and Mortley Hospitals in South London. Today we're discussing a really intriguing paper published in the British Journal of Psychiatry in the November 2007 edition. And the title of the paper is Are People with Schizophrenia More Logical Than Healthy Volunteers? Joining me to discuss this paper is Dr Gareth Owen who is one of the co-authors and an honorary lecturer at the Institute of Psychiatry and the Maudsley Hospital in South London. Dr Owen, first of all, let's talk about the background to the paper. The paper focuses a lot on this issue of uh, logical, who's logical and and what is logical. And your, your paper starts with a discussion of that. Could you say something about that?
1: Well, um, the question of rationality is, of course, a really old question, a philosophical question that goes right back to ancient Greece, and philosophers have spent a lot of time thinking about this, and ordinarily distinguish between um, a form of rationality, which, which is theoretical rationality, or logic. So here, deduction, or deductive logic, is taken as the, um, the paradigm. Um, versus an f- informal kind of rationality or reasoning, which is all usually called common sense, which um, isn't deduction, um, and isn't formal, it's a f- kind of embodied reasoning, um, which is part of human practice, if you will. And the dis- distinction between them preoccupied Plato, Aristotle, and has con- continued really to preoccupy thinkings- thinkers since. <laughs> This
0: thing that you're referring to as practical rationality or common sense as opposed to, I think, what you refer to as theoretical rationality, yeah. could you give us some examples that might illustrate the differences, the key differences between these two forms of rationality?
1: Yeah, so a form of rationality which is, is formal, logical, formal logic is um, a syllogism or an argument which has got a f- logical form which is valid. And um, a good example of that is the... Um, syllogism, all men are mortal, Socrates is a man, therefore Socrates is mortal. So the key thing there is that if the first two sentences are true, the third sentence has to be true by logic. It's necessarily true. So that's, um, that's logical validity. Um, common sense would be, uh, would be statements about the world which we find h- difficult to doubt. So things like hospitals are hospitals buildings, um, the sun rises in the east, for example. So h- hospitals or buildings or, or the sun rises in the east, again,
0: are, are things that people commonly observe or are a sort of common, common shared
1: knowledge? Co- shared knowledge that forms a part of shared human practice, if you will. Sort of things about the world that we, that we take for granted, that are tacit and, and that we, we act on that basis.
0: In what way do these two forms of of logical reasoning come into conflict with each other, or do they ever come into conflict with each other?
1: Well, um, you can make them come into conflict with each other, and that's what we've tried to do in a rather artificial way in this study. Um, That is to bring into conflict theoretical um, reasoning or logic and um, practical reasoning or common sense. So we've tried to design um, arguments where there's um, a conflict between the, the logical validity of the argument and the common sense truth of, of, of the argument. Could you give us some examples of, of the kind of yeah. reasoning you're talking about
0: and as, as in particular deployed in the experiment? Sure,
1: so I'll give you two of the, uh, the arguments that we used. So the first is um, an argument which is logically valid, so it's deductively true, but it's commonsensically false. So here it goes. All buildings speak loudly. A hospital does not speak loudly. Therefore, a hospital is not a building. So let's think about that first from the point of view of logic. If you were to think instead of buildings and, and hospitals just to replace symbols, it would be pretty easy, pretty apparent that, that, it, that it has to be the case, that if the first two sentences are true, the third is true. So it's, it's, it's a valid syllogism, one, one would say in logic, or it's deductively true. Yeah. But think about it from the point of common sense. All buildings speak loudly, a hospital doesn't speak loudly Therefore, a hospital's not a building. It's just not true from, from a common sense perspective. So the two things are brought into into conflict. Okay. So in that example, we we commonly understand
0: that a hospital is a building. Yeah. So any form of reasoning that seems to challenge uh, that common understanding, um, no matter how rigorous it might be, the, the general public would tend to reject the, 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 the rigorous form of reasoning and stick with a commonsensical view. That's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So another example would be where it's um, logically invalid, but it's commonsensically true. So an example would be if the sun rises, then the sun's in the east, the sun is in the east, therefore the sun rises. So again, if you look at from the point of view of logic, it's like saying if A then B, B therefore A. It's not logically true. But from a common sense perspective, if the sun rises, the sun's in the east, the sun's in the east, therefore the sun rises. It's commonsensically true.
0: Again, when you say commonsensically true, what you're saying is it's a shared common understanding that that is true. And so if people are subscribing to it, what they're doing is they're buying in to a kind of culturally shared sense of what is true and what isn't true. That's right. As opposed to reasoning for themselves from first principles. Correct.
1: Okay. So you use these examples. And tell us a bit more about how you conducted the experiment. So the the important thing is the instructions that you give to to subjects in the study. So what we asked everybody to do is to accept the first two sentences as true. So in logic, these are usually regarded as the major premise and the minor premise. And then to decide um, whether the conclusion, the third sentence, was true or false. So those were the instructions, and we repeated them to the subjects until it was clear that they understood them, and then asked them to read out each problem aloud. And you took a group of uh
0: people suffering from a major mental illness and compared them with a group of normal controls? That's right, yeah.
1: Could you tell us a bit more about the groupings and how they were so come upon? Sure. It's a so it's a case control study and um the uh cases, people with suffering from schizophrenia were selected from um, a range of different um uh service provisions at the the Maudsley and Bethlehem hospitals. Um and they all satisfied standard criteria for that condition, which are the diagnostic and statistical manual criteria. Um, And then the cases, sorry, the controls, uh, we selected from a a wide variety of informal sources. So um, acquaintances, um, people who were working in the hospital, um, people who responded to advertisements, and so on. But you're trying to match the two groups, though, aren't Mm, you? In what way were you matching them? Well, um, it's important to select your control group um, from something roughly similar to where you would expect your, uh, peop- your cases to have come from. And that's a kind of difficult methodological issue in case control styles. But one, one, one way in which you, you can get that wrong is if you, can, if you select your, your controls from um, one single source. And it can be uh, that you know, people tend to select controls from mm-hmm. university departments and so forth, or, uh, um, or even people just responding to advertisements and that, that can introduce biases so we, tr- we try to to make the recruitment broader than that um, now the other thing that's important to do in a study like this is to try to match on what you think are important confounding factors so the confounding factors we, we considered were age uh, sex, um, IQ and um, years of education and our groups were well matched on those, on those measures there were no differences between them. And how, su- how, how large were the two groups? So there was 19 people in the control group and 17 cases. And what were your results? Well, our results... Are, if, let, let me, shall I perhaps just talk a little bit about, about the hypothesis to put the results into, into context? So what we were doing was testing, in fact, quite an old hypothesis, a hypothesis that you can find in um, the older literature in psychiatry, uh, particularly um, writers who are interested in so-called phenomenology. And this is the... Hypothesis that people with schizophrenia have a kind of difficulty with pragmatic knowing, if you like. One um, one of these psychiatrists put it well when he said that they, there's a loss of, of knowledge of the axioms of everyday life, and it was expected that in certain situations, people with schizophrenia may actually outperform um, healthy volunteers on tasks where to not to, to not be distracted by the axioms of everyday life, if you like would mean that you do well on theoretical matters or logical problems. So we were trying to, to test the hypothesis that people with schizophrenia would do better on logic than healthy controls, and that's what we found.
0: And by logic, you're, you're talking about this rigorous theoretical logic. That's, that's that right. You're drawing a distinction
1: between that and practical reasoning. That's right, yeah. What were your results? So we found that people with schizophrenia did outperform healthy controls, and uh, this was statistically significant. Perhaps I can also just read out a little bit of some of the verbal reports of what people actually say when they're, when they're thinking about these problems. So the first uh, syllogism that we talked about earlier, this is um, all buildings speak loudly. A hospital does not speak loudly. Therefore, a hospital is not a building. So let's consider um, the responses of the two groups. These are just examples. So remember that this is a, a problem which is which is correct from the theoretical point of view, but departs from practical practical knowledge or common sense. So two schizophrenics said, True, it follows. It can't be a building according to this. True, all buildings speak loudly. A hospital doesn't. So a hospital can't be a building. Whereas the healthy controls, two, two of them said, False. Why isn't it a building? A hospital is a building. False. A hospital is a building as far as I know. Now think about just considering the other problem, which is, um, false from a theoretical point of view, but true from a practical or common sense point of view. So two schizophrenics said, false. One can never predict out of habit what is the ultimate routine. This is the, this is the syllogism. If the sun rises, then the sun's in the east. The sun's in the east, therefore the sun rises. So the schizophrenic said, false. One cannot, can never predict out of habit what is the ultimate routine. False. It doesn't mean the sun rises in the east. It could be in the east and setting it's possible. Whereas the healthy control said, true, because the sun, because the sun does rise in the east. And true, the sun does rise in the east, I've seen it. So in a way, you're seeing two contrasting styles um, of thinking about the problem, one which the the healthy group are are tending to read the problem very much in terms of what they know to be the case about the world. Um, Whereas the people with schizophrenia are doing that less. And as a consequence, they're actually seeing the correct theoretical or logical form of the problem. What's the importance of this,
0: though? I mean, you talk about it as being quite an old theory in in psychiatry. Um, A lot of people, on first glancing at the title of your paper, might think to themselves this is a rather obscure idea. But actually, it's a very important idea, because it goes to the heart of what a delusion is, for example, disordered reasoning,
1: and in a way it goes to an essential core concept at the heart of psychiatry. I think that's right, I think that if you think about what what madness means, madness colloquially means to be um, out of one's mind, and mind we usually understand as as um some ability for abstract reasoning or to be logical in a way and It comes as a bit of a surprise to see that um you know a form of of mental illness which is very severe, namely schizophrenia, has seems to have these properties seems to have these characteristics. What are your theories as to what's going
0: on here within the mind of a schizophrenic that allows them to be superior, according to your testing, in this logical reasoning compared to the general population?
1: Well, we didn't um, address any anything to do with uh, etiology or, or cause uh, in this paper. It was more a paper looking into the nature um, of this condition, schizophrenia. In a way, trying to revitalise, I suppose, um, the old notion that psychopathology or or, or mental illness can teach us a lot about the nature of being human. So those were the motivations, I think. But if I could press you to speculate as to what may be going on to explain this, because
0: one of the interesting implications, of course, is that there is a lot of recent research that indicates uh, possibly... Um, higher levels of creativity, for example, amongst the relatives of people with schizophrenia. Right. And one of the theories about what's going on there is that people with schizophrenia think a bit differently. Yes. And maybe they have the full-blown genetic loading for thinking so differently they can't be productive creatively. But maybe relatives have a higher proportion of genes with schizophrenia that allows them to think a little differently from the rest of the population, but not so differently they're considered mad but differently enough that they can be creative and this yeah. your, your paper fits quite nicely into this idea yes. because what's happening is according to your paper that um, people with schizophrenia reject conventional wisdom if their own minds or their own ideas lead them down a different pathway
1: yes I think I think these results would be congruent oh. with that um, with that tradition um, I mean, I suppose when one's saying creativity, one has to also spe- specify creativity for what. I mean, this is this this study, um, you know, suggests that there's there's some ability you could say is perhaps even under certain conditions superior for theoretical or logical reasoning. But that's just one form of creativity, of course, isn't it? And um, I mean, there's been long um, interest in the relationship between schizophrenia and autism. I mean, that goes, this goes right back to Bloyler, doesn't it? Um, and s- people, or the autistic uh, um, uh, style, if you like, is, is often thought to be one which c- can have certain idiot savant qualities, um, particularly within this sort of area of, of, of formal theoretical puzzles, if you like. I want to take issue, though, with the um, title of your paper, um, which is Are People with
0: Schizophrenia More Logical Than Healthy Volunteers? Because I feel you're skating over um, quite an important tradition in philosophy because, in a way, what you've done is you've said if you think of something as being true using logic and it it now occurs to you when you think of it as being true using internal logic, using your mind, and you observe this doesn't appear to be the case in the world out there, then you should reject what you see in the world out there. Yeah. And, and a lot of philosophers would say, well, that's one tradition of, of philosophy. But there's another tradition which says that actually one of the ways that we get knowledge of the world and gain knowledge is precisely by observing what's out there, using sense data. And actually, if your sense data is hospitals or buildings or the sun rises in the east, you should take that fairly seriously. And if, you, if your thoughts seem to contradict that, it wouldn't be unreasonable to, to maybe think again or disagree with your thoughts. Was, some people would argue that what's really, what your paper is really demonstrating is people with schizophrenia are so mentally involved in their internal mental life, they prioritize that over sense data, over what they observe about what's going on around
1: them. And that may not be a particularly logical thing to do well i 'm using logic here in the strict sense i 'm using it in the sense of uh, not what, not what happens to be not what 's true in the world um, but what is true according to a set of um formal rules, which we want to regard as binding on us, regardless of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so go, going back to philosophy, the the, the the classic conflict here is between the so-called rationalist philosophers, who thought that, you know, you had to have your knowledge of the world by starting with with clear ideas, clear and distinct ideas, and experience was a rather secondary matter, versus the empiricists, empiricists who, as you say, thought that you should start with sense data. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe Maybe the correct interpretation of this is to, is to, is to um, suggest that people with schizophrenia um, are a little closer to the rationalists
0: well let 's come at this from another philosophical tradition which is that of doubt. What is reasonable to doubt because again there is a, a big a big philosophical tradition about the nature of doubt um and of course descartes is is, is, a, is a, the prime example of that he he yeah um he he uh he wondered whether he could really believe in his own existence he doubted so much but then he came upon the famous phrase you know uh, i think therefore i am but what he really meant was i doubt therefore i am something must be doing the doubting so that gave him the view that the thing i can be confident about is that i must exist because something must be doing the doubting so let's talk about what it's what 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 would be sensible to doubt if If you've come to a conclusion using internal logic, but the outside world seems to not to support that, one of the things that someone with schizophrenia is doing is saying I should doubt the outside world rather than doubt my internal thinking. Whereas the... It would seem sensible that to, to go with, with a conventional public view, which is that if my internal logic comes up with a position which seems in conflict with what I sense from the outside world, it makes more sense to doubt my internal logic than doubt what appears to be true from the world outside
1: yeah yeah well you you could argue that that's the, uh, that's the interpretation here that um, that if a group who we regard i mean Traditionally, people with schizophrenia we we regard their thinking as pathological, as disordered in some way. Um, if it's the case that uh, people with schizophrenia seem to be thinking in a way which is um, further away further away from that tradition that you suggest, that you that you highlighted, um, perhaps that's evidence for the, the 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 correctness of that tradition, which is you might argue a more embodied form of of reasoning or rationality. But I just want to um, just. Wanna go back again to the the stimuli here for um, for this study. We weren't asking subjects to doubt anything. We were asking them to decide on the truth of a third a conclusion in a syllogism after we told them to accept the truth of the first two statements. So actually we're in the realm here of 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 um of categories. We're not, we're not not in not in the realm of um, of probabilities or plausibilities. But I thought what was happening and I thought it was very useful
0: when you when you described the way they were thinking and you gave some anecdotal accounts. What what was happening for the, the normal population, as it were, was that when they were being forced to think about a conclusion that was at variance with what they saw in the world, they were really struggling with that bit. Yeah. And therefore they were having I I would argue, psychological conflict over when when being forced to come to a conclusion that would naturally lead to doubt about what they saw in the real world, they were having real difficulty with that. Whereas the person with schizophrenia wasn't. They were quite happy to go with where logic took them, even if it led, therefore, to to doubt reality from what was being observed. Yeah,
1: I I think that's a fair interpretation.
0: One of the really interesting things about your paper, and there are many very interesting things about it, is this notion that you've come up with a test which you could almost describe as a neuropsychological or a psychological test, in which schizophrenics or people with schizophrenia perform better than the public. And, of course, this is one of the holy grails of psychological testing when it comes to mental illness, because the problem is it's very easy to come up with a test where people with a mental illness perform poorer than the general public, and the question then is, well, what does that really tell us? Because there are so many reasons why they could be performing less well. They may not be concentrating. They may not be interested. They may be distracted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in coming up with a test where people perform better than the general public, that really helps us in be, in a big leap forward, in, in getting a very clear and precise psychological measurement of a phenomenon. In other words, you, you can be more precise about your measurement than you can be with all the other tests that are going on in, in, in the field, which tend to come up with a deficit.
1: What are your thoughts around that? I think I just, I think I just agree with what you say. I mean, as you say, it's, it's been um, very difficult to find these sorts of tasks um, which people uh, with schizophrenia perform better. And as you say, the significance of that is this, is the specificity they lend. Um, you really can get more knowledge uh, when you find a task which which um, which uh, people with schizophrenia are, are, are doing better. Better at what's been the reaction of colleagues or fellow professionals um, over the publication of your paper? Because it's a very provocative title. Yeah, I presented this at um, the winter workshop for schizophrenia research in Davos, which is um, a meeting where some of the you know, big figures from international schizophrenia research get together and. Um, I think there was interest in it. um, But it was provocative. And I think it, to some extent, perhaps shakes a tacit assumption, which people have, and maybe also teases a little bit the notion that something like schizophrenia is a neuropsychological disorder in the same way that neurological disorders are.
0: What's the next step in your research? Is there another paper in the pipeline
1: which develops this work further? What I'd like there to be, I think this work like this has always somewhat struggled to find funding because it's slightly novel, risky, and doesn't really lie very clearly within the domain of academic psychology, let's say, or traditional neuropsychology. Um, it's a study that's very explicitly making use of philosophical concepts to organize a case control study, you know, a c- controlled experiment. And I don't think that's really been done before, so it's in this sense exploratory Dr Gatheron thank you very much indeed
0: thank you